you're tuned in to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. Powerful ideas to rock your restaurant. Here's your host, Roger Bodwin. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. Hang on to your hats. This episode, I'm bringing you live from the UK, Rob and Kennedy, who marry hypnotism, showbiz performing, and psychology, all married to email marketing. What relevance does this have to your restaurant? Well, you just got to stay tuned and find out. We're going to talk about building lists, how to get the love from your list, how to create a strategy to get their attention and get customers in the door, build their loyalty and affinity, and have repeat business because of word of mouth. The power of word of mouth will always be the most powerful form of marketing next to email marketing. So stay tuned to this episode. You're going to learn a lot. I know I did. So it's cool. Stay there. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. I'd like to thank my friends at Bento Box for bringing you this episode. You know, I've always believed that a great restaurant website brings the restaurant experience to life for the guest before they walk in the door. So let me tell you about Bento Box. They build beautiful, mobile-friendly, and SEO-optimized websites specifically for restaurants. Best thing is, Bento Box gives you control. You can update menus, promote events, share press, and so much more all yourself. Bento Box also gives you tools that attract more customers, grow your business, and drive revenue. You can sell gift cards, merchandise, event tickets, even book private events, all with affordable monthly and annual plans. So you got to check out Bento Box. Here's the link, getbento.com forward slash rockstars. Thanks again to Bento Box. And now on with the episode. Welcome back, everyone, to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast, engaging topics to help restaurants rock their brands, build their profits, deliver amazing guest service experiences. Live from the UK, we have Rob and Kennedy. Hey, welcome to the show, guys. How are you? Hello. Hello. Thank you for having us. Great to be here. Oh, I'm really, I'm excited to have you guys here because you have such a fascinating history in what you've done, what you do now, and uh, how you can help restaurants uh, with really powerful email marketing campaigns. But let's start with the background. You guys are hypnotists and psychologists and showbiz performers. Take us there. What's that all about? Yeah. So for the past 16 or 17 years, I myself have been performing as a mind reader, as a psychological mind reader of events, like corporate events and all that kind of stuff across the world for groups of like, I don't know, 60 to like, I don't know, 6,000, I think is the largest group I've probably done, I imagine, um, which basically makes it look like a lot like I can read people's minds. But of course, really, I'm using psychology and influence skills and uh, wrapping it all up and making it look funny. Whereas Rob, you've got something kind of related. Yeah. So for about 15 years, I've been working as a comedy stage hypnotist, which I know is actually much more prevalent as a thing in the States than it is over here. Uh, but effectively, that means I go around and do a show, hypnotize people, make them do crazy things just for fun. Uh, to entertain their friends, family, and complete strangers as well. And uh, along the way, along this journey, we became friends. We met at a magician's convention, of all things, because we hang out with magicians as well. And uh, along the way, we uh, became pals. And then we both found that we spend a lot of time out there on the road, you know, like driving or... you know, Sitting in departure lounges. Or waiting in a hotel for a show to start. Sometimes you'll fly for 20 hours to do an hour-long show. And, and there's lots of sitting around. And it sounds dead glamorous, and it's really not. It's very boring. 
And so what we both decided to do independently without discussing it was to start an online business, something that would allow us to leverage the power of the internet, the power of marketing in order to make money when we weren't performing. Because ultimately, whilst performing is pretty well paid, if you do it right, it's trading your time for money. And if you break your legs off, whatever reason you can't perform, although you have done shows with broken legs. Um, I did. If That's you, true. If you can't perform for whatever reason, uh, then obviously you don't get paid. So we both set up online businesses, mostly selling training courses and programs. Kennedy's was all about helping magicians and other entertainers to get more gigs, uh, get booked more and get paid more. Uh, and mine was helping hypnotists learn hypnosis and personal development and marketing stuff as well. So we both built these online businesses that we ran sort of when we weren't performing. And along the way, we stumbled into a little problem, and I'm sure we'll talk about this as we go through. Uh, we stumbled into a problem uh, to do with email marketing and engaging with your audience, and we had to create a solution for it. What's really interesting is because of what, we, what we've been doing, uh, we've been obviously using hypnosis, we've been using psychology and understanding people for both of our independent jobs, is we were able to bring that to the world of marketing and actually use psychology and the understanding of human behavior and the human condition in order to have greater results from our marketing, be more persuasive, be more impactful and do that because we understood what people are looking for, what makes people tick, what gets people excited and what really allows us to attract people in the most ethical way that allows them to buy the most relevant product that's going to help them the most. So that's been really useful along the way. When you guys uh, go into a business, do you wear capes? And I ask you that question because you're email marketing superheroes. <laughs> We do have, we do, we do. Actually, we've just thrown it out, but we did have a cape. We've just cleared out the office, and uh, yeah, we have, we did have. It a never cape. saw the light of day. We we put it on as a as a sort of thing we're going to do as a promotion. We thought this will look good, and we saw the photo. It was like, no, we just look like we burgled a fancy. I mean, it was only like a five pound one. It wasn't like yeah. a really expensive luxury. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We threw it though. It's gone. Before we dive deep into you know creating compelling campaigns and building lists and all the all the meat of this episode let's talk about your personal lives when you guys go out to dinner in restaurants and with your backgrounds in you know psychology and hypnosis and figuring out and mind reading and all this thing i mean do you have great experiences do you have average experiences and what makes them so so we do a couple of things. The first thing that we do is we make it our effort. So obviously all, you know, waiting staff and all of that stuff in restaurants, the managers should put their great effort into giving customers a great service. But we actually have this philosophy that as customers, we have an equal duty to give the restaurant people a great service as well as customers. So our little thing is people are working their jobs. You know, if they own the restaurant, they're going to be very stressed and running around and all the rest of it. And if they're working there, then they're obviously going to be stressed by angry customers and all the rest of it. So we like to try and brighten their day a little bit is, is the first experience that we get. So we'll try and just incorporate little fun things not performing like you know not performing for them no you don't just, hypnotize them or, but, or read their minds because that'd be mad but. just try and create a little bit of an atmosphere even if it's just a little funny joke or just something just something to, like, to engage them and, like stop and let, let people realize that we understand you're a human too and i think it is a two-way relationship and i think a lot of consumers it's very easy for a patron of anywhere to think well i have the right to to have good service well you do but also you have the right to be a good human too so that, that, that's something we're really, really focused on. I mean, for example, we had a late night webinar. So um, last night we, we were out with our girlfriends and we took, we, we took them out for dinner and we in a little Italian restaurant, literally just down the street from our office here. And we, st we, we stopped our conversation between the four of us when the waiters came over to take the time to say, oh, how things going? How, how long have you been working here? Do you remember how I did this? And people always comment to us, 
how wherever you go, you must come to this restaurant all the time. I'm like, no, I've been here once, I think, before. Well, the waitress knows you. They know what your order is. And I think the reason is, is we believe it's important to have an impact. And as a consumer, we want to have an impact because we know we're going to have much, we're going to get a much better level of service or experience from that place. And of course, as business owners, as restaurateurs or people in the hospitality industry, having that impact by being genuine, not going through your 72 step process of rapport building and how you touch the person on the arm 32 times, you'll get a better tip and just going through the checklist. It's not about that. It's actually about we don't do B to B or B to C selling anymore. That doesn't happen. We have H to H. That's the world. H to H selling. That is the world we live in. And that is human to human sales. And as soon as we can step beyond the checklist of the process we're supposed to go through, and we can go through saying, hey, I really care. You're, you really matter to me. That's when it feels significant to me as a person who goes into a restaurant. If I think the person's coming over and delivering a script, I'm immediately switched off. Yeah. And that and happens so, we, so often, you know? Yeah, it happens all the time. And part of, yeah. our, part of our engagement strategy as a customer going into a restaurant is to try and pull them out of that cycle. Out of the script. So they come over and they've got to say exactly the right things. Was everything okay for you? Those are the exact words. They've got to say everything exactly as it was. Um, and so we try and pull them out of that script by engaging in a conversation that they couldn't possibly have had scripted. And suddenly the shoulders go down, the, the big smile that's forced on their face, disappears, and suddenly it's a real leaning in process where we're now having a conversation. What does that lead to? That leads to us getting free stuff sometimes, getting better service, being able to get a table, whatever I want in a really busy restaurant. We end up with all of this good stuff. We've turned up at restaurants and the owner sent over a free bottle of champagne because he's heard that we're in. And it literally is just the fact that we've made an taken the time to make an impact. It's just taken the time. And I don't mean like have make an impact, like you have to be big and gregarious characters like we happen to be. You can do that just by being sincere. And that is all it's about. It's not a show. It's a real life happening now thing. You, you can be loud or sincere. But either of those things are okay. <laughs> it can be loud and sincere. Yeah. Anyone who follows this podcast knows that I'm a huge believer that the restaurant and hospitality business is about show business. It is entertainment. And training is a huge part of that and product knowledge and restaurant knowledge and all those things and being just a unique personality. Yeah, you don't have to be, you know, huge personalities like you guys, but you definitely have to be yourself, but be so well informed that you can educate, inform and entertain your customer. And that's like the first, you know, step in building a brand. And then once you have that brand, then we're going to dive into how you interact with your customers and get them to have what I call an affinity with that particular restaurant. So I'm an old school guy. I've been out of the business now for about five years, but I created and ran restaurants for a couple decades. And we built a list through good old fashioned comment cards. So that's way old school. Mm -hmm. But we had a list and we probably had three or 4,000 restaurants on that list. We marketed to them about every two weeks. And we always, it was a very interactive process that always ended with a trivia question for a prize, you know, and we found that that created engagement. So that's the old school way. How do you work with a client today to build a list and to get them really immersed in a powerful email marketing campaign? What's the first step? What's really interesting is people go, this is the way it used to work and that just doesn't work anymore and we need something new. The thing is, the strategy still works. The strategies in most businesses actually don't change. The tactical applications of how you do that, the how, not the what, 
yes, has moved on a little bit and you can update it. But strategically, that piece absolutely is identical. It's, I think it's an excuse that we all make as business people, whether in the restaurant business or not in the restaurant business, is we go, ah, oh, it's not working as well as it used to be. Uh, so that must be broken. That doesn't work anymore. Truth is, you're probably just not doing it as well as you could be. And you're sort of resting on your laurels and using that as an excuse. To put that into perspective, if somebody walks off the street and they come into a building and they say, I want one of those, and they hand out over some money and then in some way consume that thing, that process is a strategy exactly the same whether you're selling a hot dog or a Mercedes, right? And whether you're doing it by, with cash or you're doing it with a credit card, it's the same process. So I think a lot of people get caught up on what they think is the, the, the strategy of it all. But actually, the strategy, regardless of what you're selling, whether you're a restaurant or a, or, you know, a car dealer or something, a, a travel agent or something totally different, wildly different, the process is still the same. It's just the little tactics and how they pay and when they pay. And it's all that stuff that varies. So, so that's in, interesting. So in terms of building a list... Well, we know it's really important to build a list because yes, you might have an audience on Facebook. You might have all those people who like your page on your favorite social media channel, like Instagram. That's good for all the foodies, isn't it? I'm sick of seeing pictures of steak this week, by the way. What is it with steak this week? Everyone's having a steak apart from me. I haven't had one. Have you not? No. Oh, good. To keep it that way. So uh, we... If I do have one, I'll make sure to put it on Instagram. Better, yes. We, we know that we can have those audiences on those platforms and that's great. To a point, the problem with having them just on those platforms and not having them on your email list, because some people will say, well, I have them on Instagram. That's much better than my email list. Problem is, if Facebook or Instagram or whichever platform you're using changes its pants tomorrow and decides, well, no more of that for you. We're going to change the algorithm and you're going to suffer for it. There is nothing you can do about that as a restaurant owner. Nothing at all. Suddenly, your ability to attract people to announce new things to people and communicate with that audience has been pulled away from you and you're suddenly in trouble. Compare that to if you have an email database, whatever that's in, it might be in your MailChimps of this world, it might be in an industry-specific platform of CRM, whatever, your booking system. If you have the data, you've got their names and their email addresses, maybe their phone numbers too if you're really good, then now you own that data. You can do, nobody can take that off you because if that company goes out of business, well, you're going to just download the data. You can go and put it somewhere. You can't download the data from Facebook and upload it into LinkedIn. It doesn't work like that, right? So now you own the data and, and you also own the true, what I call the truth of that data. You don't know if the audience that Facebook or Instagram are saying you've got a bajillion different uh, followers on your, on your account it's probably true, but how many of them are real? What is that really looking like? Whereas you compare that to having an email list, you can see every single one of those emails. You can see every single contact in there. Plus, you can do some really clever segmentation so you can actually start doing things to understand every single person on that list. So the first thing I really, really emphasize here is there is more security, stability, and longevity in having the email data. And email is not going away. It's still the single most powerful medium for making sales in the world, without a doubt. You might get likes on LinkedIn. You might get retweets on Twitter. You might get shares or whatever it's called on Instagram. But sales really, really, really starts and ends with email. 
In terms of the tactical side of list building, what we realized a few years ago was that actually if there's, there's a hidden opportunity to build a list of people in a place that almost nobody has bothered to look. Uh, see, most of the time people will build an email list by just, well, okay, if you go along and buy something, you might get their email address then. That's great. What about other people? How else can you do it? And we realized that there's a hidden opportunity in the process of asking for feedback. And you talked about it before with comment cards. I mean, fundamentally, all we're doing is updating that tactic a little bit, but keeping the same strategy. So along the way, we said, well, actually, we can take this entire formula and we can transition it over to customer feedback surveys, surveys that allow you to get feedback from your customers, find out how you did, find out whether they were satisfied or not, find out what areas you did really great and in what areas you can improve on. And people have been running these surveys for a really long time, forever. Customer satisfaction surveys as a thing are not new. But of course, what most people do is they use that as the sort of the dead end of the data process. What happens is that data becomes actually no more valuable than that Facebook audience you talked about before, because somebody fills in a survey and they hit a button on a computer or an iPad and it zaps the, the feedback off into the system. And then all the restaurant owner can do or the manager can do is log in, bring up a pie chart or a bar graph and look at it and go, okay, great. So 92% of people were satisfied. 73% of people would tell us, would recommend us to a friend. 4% of people found their food was burned. And that's it. And they, at best, you can say, well, at least that's better than last month, Dave. And you go, well, so we're on the up. And that's it. Now, to put that into perspective, I went to a restaurant a few weeks ago where the food was burnt. So I was in a hurry. That's the, the worst part of it. The food was burned. It was bad. And at the end of it, we didn't eat it. And equally, we didn't have time to wait for it to be recooked. So we just didn't pay for it. They just knocked it off our bill. Now, I called up in advance and booked a table, which means that they asked my phone number and email address at the time of doing that. A few weeks later, I got a feedback survey sent through the, through the um, sorry, not a feedback survey. I got an offer sent through email to go there and have another meal, which, of course, I'm never going to do because it was the worst experience I've ever had in a restaurant. But they have no way of knowing that I had a really bad experience because, A, they hadn't bothered to ask. And if they had bothered to ask, they still wouldn't know it was me. I would just be one of the 2% who didn't like it. Sure. And so that, that's a real problem that I think yes, a lot of is. places are facing. So let's maybe take a little look at some strategies we can use. Now we know that email is really important. I think we all kind of agree that it is. So we can actually communicate with people and send them timely offers. Like I think we kind of get that and we've labored the point somewhat. How about we share some ideas on how as restaurant owners, restaurateurs, we can build our mail list. Is that going to be useful to your listeners? Absolutely. But you also mentioned segmenting the market and right. surveys. So I'm sure you're going to take us through all those places. But yeah, let's start with building the list. All those all things right. right on so, target. So, yeah, we've got, a, we've got a few sort of favorite ways of doing that. So the first way is the real simple, traditional, you might have seen it with some, from some of the large chains of restaurants, have done it for years, where they put a little survey offer on the bottom of, we call it the receipt, is it called the check? No, it's the, it's the receipt in the state. It's the receipt once you've paid, yeah. Yeah, the receipt once you've paid, right? Um, which says, hey, what if the headline on that bottom, so you've got the bottom of your receipt, and, and people are saying, oh, yeah, I've paid all this stuff, good. At the bottom, it has like a big bold text which says, free cocktails. And I've got your attention, like, yeah, all right, I've just paid, and now I'm going to get free cocktails. And it says, just go and complete our survey at brilliantrestaurantsurvey.com, whatever your restaurant's name Yep. survey.com is and then they go over there they can go and complete a really simple survey you're also going to collect their email address and probably their name maybe your phone number if you fancy and then basically they'll be entered into some kind of draw but the whole thing is, is that what is the strong hook for where, where, wherever you are the biggest reason with restaurants we've worked with that they say they get low when we go in there and show them this idea they're like oh we've tried putting stuff on the bottom of the receipt before and our, our sign-up rates are really low i'm like okay show me what you've put me on put on the bottom of that receipt and it's like win a prize 
all right, what's the prize? What is it? It could be anything, couldn't it? It could, it could be something I absolutely don't want. So it's about being specific and making it really compelling. Something that lights up the people who are coming to your restaurant. You know the people who come to your restaurant. You know the thing that if it's a special treat, what is the thing that people buy from you if it's a special treat day? If it's a special occasion, if it's a special birthday, what's that thing? Can you give one of those away a month? Can you give one of those away a week? Can you give one away to every single person? I don't know. But whatever it is as seen as a treat by your customers, as a real pleasure, that's the thing you should be giving away. So if it's cocktails, if it's champagne, if, it's, uh, if you have a steak restaurant and it's that massive meat platter or whatever it is, whatever the thing is that you know that people are coming for a treat, that's the headline. Get that for free. All you need to do is go and do this. That's one strategy. Yeah. A second thing that quite a lot of restaurants are doing, but I don't think they're doing it as effectively as they could be, is to have a, a box pop-up when you go on their website and you're just looking to browse the menu because so many people nowadays in the days of gluten-free this and intolerance over there, people go on a website beforehand to check out the menu. So make sure that when people go over to the website, they have the opportunity to go ahead and register for their details in order to get the chance of something. So it might be that they're going to be able to get a 5%, 10% discount off their first meal. It's Again, it's, it's all incentive driven everything in this industry is going to be driven by incentives have your food 10 percent less burnt 10 percent less burnt is good yeah that's excellent yeah, and so and so basically you have that opportunity to ask for some key information right there and then so have a little form that pops up kind of like a survey uh, truthfully uh, but it's it's not asking them for the feedback at this point it's literally saying what's your name what's your email address uh, what's your date of birth is a really big one obviously because loads of restaurants like to do birthday offers uh, that kind of thing so that works super super well as well yeah, and obviously ask, ask, ask those preferences. Ask, you know, ask them, do you have any food preferences? Are you vegan, vegetarian, pescatarian? You know, any of these things. Or oh, I just love it all, whatever it's going to be. And now you're in a position where you've got some incredible data about the people. So there's a couple of really quick and simple ways of, of grabbing some people's data. Okay, let's talk about segmenting the market. Yeah, okay. So now we are going to ask some key questions in those surveys. So we're going to ask them, do you have any food preferences? Do you prefer this or that? Where do you live? If you have a multiple establishments across, across a city, across a block, across the country, however, wherever you're at, do you have a, do you have a, a location that you visit? Do you have a location in which you live? Where, where are you? So we can make sure we only send you relevant offers for that thing. Mm -hmm. Somebody said to us a few, a few months ago now, email marketing is really difficult because open rates, people don't, the open rate of emails is getting lower. People don't want to receive more emails. In fact, the number one reason people have checked when unsubscribing from someone's email list, the reason they give is because they get too much email. But is it that they get too much email? We would argue that it probably isn't because I'm going to be honest. If I was getting an email 42 times a day from a hot, a hot lady telling me how much she loves me, I'm not going to unsubscribe from that no matter how many emails she sends me, right? The thing is, the reason we unsubscribe because we get too many emails is because we get too many irrelevant emails. So for example, one of my closest friends is vegan. I know if you start sending him an email every single day about your steaks, he's going to unsubscribe and disengage pretty quickly. There's no point in sending Stephen any offers to do with Steak Tuesdays, none whatsoever. Whereas if you tell him about the new vegan burger you've got coming out or the new vegan this, that, and the other, he's going to think you're the best thing since sliced vegan bread. 
Yeah. And this whole thing is so, so important because if you think about just having somebody's email address and then blasting them with this sort of scattergun approach of, well, well it's, it's Big Meat Tuesday, so let's mail that one. And then next week it's going to be Curry Thursday, so we'll send that one out. You've got to take a step back and realize actually those people on your list are all entirely different and you know nothing about them. And suddenly when you start to ask the question, you realize just how many questions there are to ask. So you say, well, do they even live in this city or were they just visiting for the weekend? Were they just on some city break holiday? Are, were they here on business? or for, for leisure because if they were here on business then actually there's it might not be worth telling them about valentine's day because well they, they were they're only coming here as a business meeting so it's really important to actually stop and say actually just because somebody came in and they gave us some money and they gave us their email address at some point in the process that means really nothing so what this allows us to do is some incredible cross-sell, upsell opportunities. For example, if you know somebody comes along and they always have, they, they've had a business lunch and they've had some kind of nice business meeting, but you've also just done an extension or you've just done out a certain area of your restaurant to be like a private meeting room, a sort of function space, a, a private dining room, you're going to promote to that person about how, why don't you have some business meetings in this area? Because you, they know that in their head, they associate your establishment with business. Whereas if you've got people who are there for pleasure, you might angle that same offer, which is hire this space. You might angle that towards, are you having some kind of function or some kind of celebration? The way we consume content has completely changed over the last few years. Look, my dad called me a few weeks ago and he said, Kennedy, are you watching that thing on the TV? And I said, well, I can tell you now, whatever it is you're talking about, I'm definitely not watching it because back when I was a kid and back when my dad was younger, we all used to run home from school or run home from work to watch our favorite TV show, to catch it just in time before it started. Can you even imagine doing that these days? No, because today at the end of the day, I'm going to go home and I'm going to put Netflix on or Prime on or any of the other services. And, and truthfully, I'm, even the regular telly has its own catch-up catch services. Up services. So now I'm going to watch stuff on my agenda. So now we have ingrained into our psyche that we can choose what we want to do when we want to do it. So why do we constantly bash people over the head with generic offers, hoping that enough people, enough of the right people are going to see that offer and go, yeah, I want to buy that thing. Instead, I could send two offers out, one to business customers, one to social customers, and have basically the same offer, but from a different angle and keep people's engagement and make sure that they feel like I'm the most relevant establishment for their needs right now. It's huge, isn't it? All of this is the stuff that nudges you away from being the restaurant where people go, should we go for dinner tonight? And they go, yeah. And you go, uh, where do you want to go? And they go, oh, I don't know. There's there and there's that one and there's that place and there's that one. Uh, oh, what do you fancy? Well, I fancy a burger. Do you want to go? Which was the best place? It stops that from happening. And you start to become the one that's constantly front of mind for all of the right reasons. You stop being the restaurant where they just automatically delete your emails. So this begs lots of questions. How often should you, keep these three questions in mind and answer them when it's relevant, but how often should you send out a mailer? How many, what is the ideal number of questions on a survey? And how do you segment the market so that you're sending, you're reaching, like you said, diverse people with different tastes and interests. I mean, suddenly you've got, you know, thousands of people on your list and maybe, you know, 150 of them are vegan and 2,000 of them are vegetarian. Well, you know what I mean. It's like, I'm lost. A wide mix. It's, you've, got, you've got a lot of, a lot of yeah. a mix, haven't you? Well, in terms how of how many questions... Them? Yeah, how do you target them? Exactly. So questions in a survey, the more questions you ask, the yep. lower completion rate's going to be. Of mm -hmm. course, people come right. to us and say, 
hey, do people still really fill out surveys? Rob was doing a presentation just a few months ago. And before his presentation, for everybody who registered for his presentation, he sent out a survey. Of course he did. This lady at the front says, hey, does anybody actually fill out surveys anymore? And Rob said, well, I sent one out to everybody who, uh, who registered. Stick your hand up in the air if you completed that survey. 100% of the people in that room raised their hand, including the lady who asked the question. So yes, people do complete surveys, but it's about two things. It's about how you frame the survey in the first place, how you compel them to get there. Is there a reward? How is it going to look? Why are they doing it? What's in it for them? So free cocktails, you've got me. Number two is what's in the survey when I get there? And that comes down to survey length. As soon as you hit the sixth question, your completion rates are going to drop off a cliff. Question number six will start to drop people really significantly. So what we recommend is you go for three to four questions and then also ask for the contact details. If you can get it less than that, two questions plus plus the contact details, all the better. The problem is, right, and here's a really good way of thinking about it. When you think about what should I be asking? Well, all right. What do you need to know? What do you absolutely need to know? When you are, if you're going to build the biggest survey in the world to ask everything you might want to ask, which of those questions would you make a required question? And everything else that's not a required question, delete it. Because if you don't need to know it, what you're doing is you're treading water. You fill it. You're just doing filler. You're doing what you think you're supposed to do on a survey. And that's killing your ability to get those things complete. The other element is not just the length of the survey but it's to do with the type of question that you ask. As soon as you start putting open questions, that's anything with like a text field of any size, even if it's just like a little typey number field, as soon as you do that, completion rates are going to drop again. People don't want to have to think when they're giving feedback on on your restaurant or anything. They want to be able to click. They want to be able to tap things with their thumb and their finger on their phone and say, that's what I thought about it. As soon as you add an open field, your completion rates are going to drop. So keep them to... Pick one of these pictures of which kind of food you like. Pick, rate us from zero to 10. Click a number. Click, click, click. Don't fill stuff in. So it, could it be optional or is it a complete don't do this with an open field? Because you can click a button and then people always or surveyors want more information. Give someone the chance to talk, to vent, to give you more detail. Right, exactly. So it's about making it optional and making it explicitly yeah. optional. The right. truth is, if you, if you delve into your business enough, it's very rare that you can't think of most of the relevant options that somebody would have. So if, if you said, did you enjoy, you know, would you recommend us? And they say no. Okay. Well, you could put an open-ended question. That's what most people would do that says, you know, why, well, why, what could we do to improve? But actually, if you stop and think about it, you can probably think of six or seven things that might have gone wrong. And those are going to cover the majority of your basis. You could have an other field if you've got it wrong. But most of the time, those seven things are going to cover your options. And let's take a look at how you frame the more information box, which you absolutely rightly brought up and a really simple way of doing that is they've collected they've said i thought you were fantastic or i thought you weren't very good today and another box pops up which usually says please tell me more or could you give us some details how about you frame it instead as i know you're really busy have you got two minutes to tell me a little bit more about that so you acknowledge the fact that I know you're busy. And you also say, have you got time? Because if the answer is no, I haven't got time, they'll just skip that question. And they'll know now, because the way you pre-framed it, that it is optional and they can move through to the next question. One thing you can start to do, if you want your survey to get a little bit more complicated, so you want to start asking longer questions, there is a sort of a process to it. And it's all based on the ancient principles of influence from the book uh, by Robert Cialdini, never say his name. The first question, if the first question is a very simple 
how would you rate, how would you rate the service, the food, the experience, everything from zero to 10? And people can go ahead and they can click a number. That's great. That's the easiest thing in the world to do. And when they land on the page, if that's all they can see, that's dead easy. They just complete it. Okay, great. Now, as soon as they do that, if they said, let's say seven or above or eight or above, whatever you consider to be good, a new question that appears and says, you know, do you have any dietary requirements? And it's just a yes or a no. There's not a million options, just a yes or a no. And if they click no, that's fine. If they click yes, the next question appears is which of these apply? And they tick the ones that apply. I'm vegan, I'm, I'm uh, gluten-free and I'm this, and I've got this intolerance. And now what you start to realize is people are starting to, to now commit to the idea of filling out this survey because they've started. And people have this, there's an ancient principle of influence called commitment and consistency. Once yeah. you've started, you, you need to finish it. And so because people are sort of on their way, it doesn't feel like it's such a difficult thing to now keep giving you more information. And so, this and this is even this has helped even more when you're putting your survey together. Let them know how long the survey is going to be. There's nothing worse than venturing towards a black hole, which you never know if you're ever going to be able to leave. You don't want to start a survey and think, right? Question seven hundred and twenty-seven. Will I ever leave this computer? No. You don't want to feel like that, right? Yeah. So the, the simplest way of doing that, we find again a massive boost in completion rates by adding a progress bar across the top and across the bottom of your survey so they know where the heck they are in the process. Now, there's a really interesting thing to go back to the first question you asked, which is to do with how often you should email. We like to think of customers of everything, restaurants specifically though, as in phases. So somebody at some point in their life is a first time customer. In other words, they come into your restaurant for the first time. That's their first phase. Obviously, the phase before that is not a customer. But once they come in for the first time and they sit down and eat, that's the first phase is they're now a customer. And your job, your only job at that point as a restaurateur is to get that person to come back at least once. So until they've come back at least once, your only priority is let's find a way to get them to come back. And for us, if you can get them to come back in the first month, you've just solidified that person now as an actual proper customer. They're a repeat customer. You can consider to be a client. They're going to come back. They're, they're, they're now a religious customer because that's worked really, really well. So once they've come back that first time within that month, they're now a solid customer. You've now got their loyalty to a certain extent. So now you've got a new goal. Okay, great. Your new goal is to get them to recommend you to somebody else. So how do you do a thing that's going to get them to refer, you, refer somebody else to you? And so now that kickstarts the next set of emails. And so what it means is you're now working through a process. Okay, great. We've got that. Now we need to get them to the point that when they're, when they're having their birthday, they're going to come and they're going to bring a party of 10 or 12 or 50. So, okay, great. That's the next phase. So when you start to step back and you think about, okay, now you want, now the only question is what email communication does this person have to see to take them from where they are right now to the next phase of that journey? And if you can always just think about that little process, how often you're going to email them and what you're going to email them is all driven by just that end result. How do I take them from, from where they are now to that next stage? Think about the complete paradigm shift there is there between what most restaurateurs are doing right now, which is just sending the specials out every week. This is the new cake of the month or whatever the heck it is. And actually realizing there is a customer journey, which you know about, you know, there is a customer journey, but you're probably not applying it to your email right now. Most people aren't. So now we need to move them through those phases that Rob just talked about, which is about how now this, the first series of emails have a theme. And then when that hat, when that shift happens, when that action or that activity takes place, they come back to your restaurant or they've recommended somebody. The theme of your emails now changes and you activate those different campaigns through your marketing system so now that you're no longer just sending the bland here's the specials here's the oh it's tuesdays i'll be getting that specials email again from frank at any moment that's not going to happen because it might happen as well 
we're not saying it needs to be either or you can do these both in sort of parallel that's that's not really a problem with that as long as they're relevant offers but we really want the email that's coming from this fictional frank we're talking about we want that to be a relevant email that drives them towards an action not just hey it's cheap this week or hey we've got this new thing we want to drive them to an action because there is a direct offer and that's a huge thing here it's about making an offer so hopefully that will simplify that question about how often do I email? There's one other thing we can really simplify here, which is that second thing you asked, which is about, you've got all these different categories because people are allergic to everything these days. How do we deal with that? Well, let's imagine you've got a grid of, I don't know, a hundred different things that people might be intolerant to or allergic to or don't eat for whatever reason through uh, preference. That's fine. It's not about going, well, you know, I've got 150 things here. How do, I, how do I send emails to 150 relevant people? It's not about what do I send to those 150 people. It's actually about what do I not send to those 150 people. In other words, if you've got you know, big steak Tuesdays, don't, just make sure you exclude the people that that's not going to be relevant for. But likewise, occasionally, you'll ha you, you will have something you can tell them about. So we've just got these amazing new vegan sausages in. They're amazing. I need to tell all the vegan customers. You just bring up a quick search and send them that. But most of the time, that's not going to happen. That's going to be a rarity. Most of the time, it's going to be about making sure that you exclude people from the stuff that's going to offend them, that's not relevant to them, that's going to be problematic. Here's a crazy idea, right? I, I don't know how this would work, but this is literally an idea I have. So let's say you've done, you've done a segmentation based on one dimension, which is whether they're they're vegan or not. We're going to just oversimplify this. Apologies to all my vegan friends. So for uh, my absolute shoehorning of this absolutely terrible example, but it'll give the idea, right? So we know that some of our lists are vegan. Some of our lists have not said that they are vegan. Yeah. So to our vegan list, we might say, hey, we've got these lovely new vegan sausages. They're fabulous. You should come and try them. They go really well with this. And here's a lovely photo of them. To everybody else, you might think, well, I need to think of something else to sell them. No, we can sell the same thing, the vegan sausage offer, Sounds a bit mad, doesn't it? <laughs> we can give the vegan yeah. sausage offer. Oh, over here, this in a public toilet. Um, the vegan sausage offer to the non-vegans, but with a slightly a slight change in the approach. So the actual offer is not going to change. What is going to change is the angle of the offer. So the vegans, it's hey, come and try these vegan sausages. To the non-vegans, it might be your vegan friends are going to love coming to dinner with us, with you next time hang on, we just now introduced the idea of bringing vegan friends with us. I would never have thought of that because you're a steak restaurant. Crazy. Now I can bring my vegan friends. Awesome. Yeah. And it's so powerful. It's, it's just realizing you don't have to say, well, I need to email this week. What, what's the 150 different emails I send? It's just, okay, I'm going to send the emails I was going to send and make sure it only goes to the people that are relevant, which means overlaying those segments. Okay, great. So this email is specifically designed to get somebody to bring their, their birthday. Who's got a birthday this month? Great. We'll only send it to them. Okay, great. And then it's just layering where they're at in their, in their customer journey with the stuff that they don't like or don't need. Yeah, it is. And yeah. So we've got a really strong structure here now. I got a really good sense of the structure of the campaign, but to create a compelling attention grabbing email, then suddenly we have to be really adept at copywriting, don't we? And most restaurant owners aren't good copywriters. Do we need a professional copywriter here? You this could do. You could, you could definitely do that. Um, I think one of the things I mean, to keep it really simple is just think of the offer. People overcomplicate copy often. Okay. I mean, to really simple, yes, professional copywriters, if you've got the time and the experience to go and do that and to, to make all that happen, definitely go do that. If you want to keep things simple for now while you're pushing things forward, here's Wait. a simple thing. Just tell them what you've got and tell them how to get it. That's pretty much it. Steak Tuesdays, 
book on Tuesdays. Like there is worse copy in the world than that. The most difficult copy, the most the lowest performing copy in the world is usually the clever, cutesy, punny copy where you read the headline, you go, what, what is that? And you go, no, yeah, but it's funny because you see, I said steak and it says mistake and it's like mistake Wednesdays. And people go, what's wrong with Wednesdays? No, it's mistake. Stay, it's state wet. No, if if you have, if you think it, you think it's clever, it's probably terrible copy. Probably, yeah. There's there's very few people go. Oh, uh, oh, oh, I see what oh, you did there. That's oh, good. This is excellent. So yeah, that's nice. Yeah, it's it's probably it's probably a bad idea. Um, it's literally tell them what you've got going on, and send that offer to the right person. Look, the right offer, steak Tuesdays or whatever it is to the right people, people who love steak, is always going to outperform the best copy in the world sent to the wrong people. Always. So having the right segmentation done by connecting your surveys to your marketing systems is the, is the way to overcome any kind of, any drawbacks you might have, any lack of confidence you might have about the effectiveness of your copy right now. And let's face it, in restaurants, probably more than any other industry, images really sell. Uh, th- this is this is this is only about getting the information in front of people that allows them to make a decision, and so it, it's as much about let, let the food speak for itself by showing them how great it looks. So let's take a look at the whole campaign from like a bird's eye view. So we're now going to compel people either who visit us on our website or who have visited us in our restaurants, and we're going to compel them to go complete an online survey. We're now going to connect that survey to our marketing systems so that when someone completes that survey, we're going to be able to tag them or put them on the right lists or however your system deals with that stuff in our system. So now every week or every however often we fancy, we can send the perfect offer to each of those people, which means every person who receives an email, every time they receive an email, they know to open it because they know it's going to be something they care about. Like I, I'm going to, big confession. I've never seen a Star Wars movie. That's huge. What? Right? No, I've never seen a Star Wars movie. I've seen one. Have you? Right. Well, I didn't know that. Actually, you've never seen one either. One. One. Okay. All right. Um, I've never seen a Star Wars movie, so I never get invites from my local movie theater, from my local cinema, saying, "Hey, the new Star Wars is coming out." And I would, I, and I, because I would never, I, if I open that email, I'm going to be like, oh, "This is not really for me." Whereas if some like, I don't know, big musical, like the latest Greatest Showman thing came out, I'd be like, I'd be all over that. And my local movie theater knows that about me because they have that data. And what's really interesting, all of this technology sounds like it's only for the big boy chains. And previously, it's only ever been for those things. Right. Which is where, what's really interesting, we had no idea how interesting response we, our product, our survey product, would be for restaurateurs. We, did, we, we never even thought about that as a market until a, a friend of mine who's a restaurateur said to me, what's this, this response week thing you've been talking about on the internet a lot? And I'm like, oh, and I explained it to him. He's like, well, I can do that for like less than a hundred grand a year. And I'm like, yeah, for less than 10 grand a year, for like less than, less than that. Like, wait, yeah, th- this is really accessible. So as an independent, I mean, I'm not sure how many people who are your listeners are independent restaurateurs. Is that quite a m- majority? Yes. Right? So if we're independent, we can't afford the time. And it's going to take us a long time to get a return on those big budget numbers for having something custom coded for ourselves. Whereas if there's something already off the shelf where you can just plug it in, Mm-hmm. Now you can start behaving a little bit like or targeting in a way that large businesses can do it, but on a small business budget with your small business personality to make those small business connections that only you can make that the big chains can't make. 
And that's really what the, where the magic's at, right? Kaboom. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's awesome. Let's talk about, you got a list. Let's just say you, got, you start with a couple hundred and you build it to a couple thousand. And now you mm -hmm. really want to build a deep relationship with the people on that list. What are some of those strategies? Like, how do you get the love out of the list? Right. Okay. Well, uh, I wish we had a diagram to show you right now. We have, we have a, a made up bar chart that we sometimes show people, yeah. which is about when someone, it, it, it's to represent how people's brains work. So when someone joins your list, the level of goodwill you have with that person is at the highest it will ever be because they've got an expectation. And as we know, the expectation that almost everything in the world is almost almost always better than the reality of that thing. All right. Whatever you're buying or whatever you're doing. Right. So we've got an expectation. The first time you send a mail out to somebody, make them an offer. The chances are you're going to be saying, Hey, you want to come and spend some money. So your goodwill with that person drops because they're now like, Oh, I'm being sold to Right. Because every time I sold at, well, like, that's very nice of you, but I now know the sort of the real, the real scope of the land here. Yeah. What's the end game? <laughs> exactly because they're like now you know now i'm in so now the next email lands and it's here's another offer what we have to do every time we just beat people over the head with another way that they have to serve us give us money we reduce and we deplete our level of goodwill what we need to do is keep remembering to go and replenish fill up the tank of goodwill and how do we do that we do that through active interactive content and that might be, here's a, that might be a piece of content, which is, here's how to cook at home. Here's a little video I made about how to cook something we're famous for in your own kitchen. Just to jump in very quickly on that. We have a really famous chain of restaurants here in the UK that make Sunday yeah. dinners, right? That's what they do. It's like a carvery. You go and they make a cracking Sunday dinner. And their advert. Which is like, it's, it's a roast, by the way. Yeah, Sunday roast. They're only advertising on the radio. Uh, and we're talking nationally here. I don't know. I guess they've probably got hundreds of restaurants. Sure. Their only advertising on the radio is recipes that allow you to cook the food at home as well as they cook it in the restaurant. This is how we roast our potatoes. This is make how we sure make our mash. You know, duck fat, and it sits for three weeks, and do this, and then do that, and then content, do content, content, and that shows that shows the audience, hey. This is how we do it. This is why they taste so good. Oh, hang on. You've just said they taste really good. And, and if they didn't taste really good, they wouldn't be teaching their famous recipe. It must be good. Shall we go and try how they do it before we cook it at home? Okay, Marjorie, and we're off. And of course, they do such a complicated job of this amazing recipe that nobody's really going to try it. Very few people are really going to try it at home. So that's one is really good content is one of the things. And of course, that content needs to be relevant to the preferences that they told you they've already got through your survey. So yeah. Right. If you've got steak lovers, here's how to cook the perfect ribeye. Here's how to, whatever. Here's how to make the perfect XYZ sauce, whatever it's going to be. Great. Content's one of them. Interactive content is another. Yeah. So if you have the ability to, for them to give something back, so for them to get involved in something, this is going to work even more effectively. Here's an example. Imagine you're about to change. It's that time of year when you're going to change your, 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 your menu. You're about to do that. So rather than going, do, 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 here is the new menu, everybody, on our subscriber list. What about instead you reach out your subscriber list and say, hey, well, we're about to release that. We're about to work on the new menu. We've got some things we're trying, trying to get some fine tuning with. Could we get your opinion on some things? Guess what? People love giving opinions. That's why social media is massive. That's why everybody comments on stuff they've got no right to have an opinion on on social media because they love to have an opinion about something. So what happens? Is they go across, they 
they, they go across, they click on your survey, and they're, they're now given some options about, okay, we're thinking about either putting this dish on or this dish, or we're thinking about making this dish, but we're not sure to put, so one of my favorite things is steak pie. I love steak pie, right? So they would send a, a recipe, they would send a little survey out which said, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna overhaul the pie menu at a whole restaurant. This is a mad example, I apologize. And um, we're thinking about doing steak pie, but do you prefer it with mushrooms or without mushrooms? Please let us know by taking our survey. People like me have strong opinions about mushrooms and steak pie. So I'm gonna be all over that, and I'm now gonna interact. The moment you get somebody to take a moment of their time to press any kind of button, to interact with your content, not in the email itself, but to go away from it and interact with your content, they're now invested. Yes. Are you thinking about rebranding? Put two different logos up. These are the logos we're thinking about doing. Oh, we're, we're going to get the, the chairs and the restaurant recovered. Here's two images of, the, of, 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 cover, of, of fabric coverings. Which one do you prefer for our restaurant? Get people to feel like they own some of the decisions that you're making. One, that you'll get higher engagement. Two, you'll end up with a better product because it's actually led by what customers are telling you they want. And it's a win-win all around because now after you've done the refurbishment, you've launched the new menu, you've got your new logo, you've basically changed the company name. So now you're a different company altogether. You can email all those people and say, thank you so much for all that feedback. We've got the opening coming up. We've got specials on the food you said you kind of like from our survey. Come and check out all the decisions we made and see which ones are yours. Hang on, we're now super highly engaged. People are going to be storming the doors to get into your restaurant that day. And all of this, the running theme from the very beginning of this episode is about doing stuff that's the polar opposite to what most restaurants do. So if you wonder, how, how, how do I do more effective email marketing? Pay attention to what all the competition are doing and do the opposite of that, unless they're doing what we're telling you to do. All right, here's another question. So is it really, really important to have an email template that's on brand, on strategy, has the logo, sort of brings your restaurant to life in the email? Because I know that from listening, people might just run right out there and start building a list and just send out a generic email with no signature, no identification. It's from Joe, the restaurant operator. But how do you bring thing to life? How do you bring it together? I think there's two types of email. I think there's the fully branded, beautiful header, nice template, got a footer, that whole thing, which is going to have the relevant specials. The, this is the commercial message feel. You definitely want to have some of those. Okay. However, to cut through the noise of every other restaurateur around who's doing that, yeah. you also want to have the personal email from the owner, which has none of that. It has terrible default text font. It has no header. It probably has his like direct email address and his footer as like owner or whatever. White email, black text. Done. done. And what you're going to do is you're going to end up with a nice variety of those two things, which cut through and give you different messages. And they tap into different types of people. So it's not an either or, it's do both. I love that. I, wouldn't, yeah, I wasn't expecting that answer, but I totally get that. I think that's Let, let's imagine that somebody comes to the restaurant, they have a great time, they get the survey, they, they go on and they fill it in. And a couple of days later, the people who said everything was great, it was excellent, and I really liked it, they get a personal email from the manager or from the owner written on that really yeah. plain email. It looks like he's just knocked it together. It's not about trying to fool people into thinking that they have, but just make it, it look It has a like very it. different feel. Yeah. And the people who said, for whatever reason, that, that you know the restaurant dropped the ball, which everyone does occasionally, something mm -hmm. went 
went wrong. The food was burnt. The music was too loud. You know, the guests were too noisy. The sausages whatever were too vegan. Be. Yeah, the sausages were too vegan. Uh, whatever the complaint is, the manager can follow up personally and say, I'm so sorry this happened. Please give me a call at your earliest convenience because I want to ch- find out more about what happened. Can you imagine the feel to get an owner sending you an email saying, you know, that was great. Or, you know, how, how can we help? It's so powerful. Let's go back to the survey piece again. We're getting specific feedback from our customers that could be negative, could be positive. And are we responding to this in any yeah. meaningful way? And how do we do that? So, so this came about by accident. And the reason is this. We originally created response rate and the idea of surveys in marketing so that we could take our audiences, find out what they wanted, and then use that to sell them the thing they just asked for. We hadn't initially thought, well, that means some people might get the chance to complain about us, about, complain at us about things. <laughs> and it was purely by accident that one day we realized, hang on a minute, what happens at the moment is you go to a hotel or a restaurant, you, in, you know, engage with the service, you fill out the customer feedback survey, and the following day, the restaurant or the hotel will send you an email and promote that thing. Like I said earlier about that restaurant with me. And that's what happens. And the reason is that, again, all, all you are when you complain about something in a survey is just what another percent point in, in the pie chart or whatever. And so what we realized is that actually that negative feedback should stop everything else that would ordinarily happen. It should stop all other email communication. Again, I went for a meal that was so bad I didn't pay for it and they, they apologized profusely and I left and I got a promotion to go back to the restaurant and just have another full price. You know, it's just, it was a normal promotion. So what should happen is when you ask that satisfaction, that CSAT thing, yes. is if it's below a certain point, it needs to be a, a customer service follow-up. So it needs to tag them in your email marketing system, your marketing systems to say, you need to follow up with this person and one, find out how we make it better for them. And two, fix the problem internally and fix the system or see what happened there so we can make it so that never happens to anybody else again. Whereas everybody who was delighted, we can then use that as a cross-sell, upsell opportunity to bring them back and make them a champion of our restaurant. All this sounds like it could be time consuming, although it is a system. <laughs> Do you recommend that you have a dedicated person in the restaurant that just takes care of all this? Should it be? No, I mean, if you're at a point where you can afford a marketing manager and you have somebody who's just in charge of marketing and you have that anyway, they should do it sure. um, as part of their duties everywhere else, uh, for sure. But it's actually not as time consuming as you'd think. Typically, when we start with a new client, they can create yeah. the entire initial campaign. So that's the survey and all the connections to their CRM and all of that stuff in less than an hour. Of, and that's one time work because the key here is, is automation. So spend yeah. a bunch of time doing something once, like an hour to create the survey and then right. some time writing the emails. But what's interesting is those initial sort of sequences that we talked about that are just designed to get customer to repeat customer repeat customer to referral that kind of thing all that is all you all is, is a sequence of predefined emails which means you only have to write them once and then once again once that's done then you're, you're you're good to go and from that point forward the only thing you really have to worry about is making sure that you are sending out broadcast emails and again you're going to be sending out fewer emails because you're only sending the stuff that's relevant to different people and so yeah it's, it's not it's not time consuming at all Great. I'm glad you answered that question because we also obviously respond to online reviews, both positive and negative. You, you interact with your customers that way. That's huge today. And this is sort of part and parcel. Well, imagine, imagine this as like a little, like feel like it might be feel like a bit of an insurance policy. And that is you send people from your restaurant, the re the, the the review the the survey that's why i can't think the word survey what a day <laughs> they send them a survey and it says hey what did you think of it and they say oh you were 10 out of 10 that's awesome 
please tell us what you thought about that. What, what, were you, what would you say about that? And they maybe do or maybe don't fill in, fill in that, fill in that box. On the thank you page, if they scored you like eight or nine or 10 out of 10, why don't you take them straight over to your trip advisor? And what, what's nice about that is anybody who said less than that, who wasn't delighted and over the moon about it, don't take them over to your trip advisor, right? So now you're sort of protecting, you're putting like a cushion between the feedback, the people who might be a little bit less than delighted and your ever precious trip advisor rating interesting thing here where people have a bad experience of anything restaurants and hotels especially the first thing they want to do whether it was because the service was rude or the food was rubbish whatever their problem is <laughs> the first thing they want to do is go and post about it somewhere and that might be on twitter it might be on their facebook page it might be on TripAdvisor. it might be on google reviews where but you could make it somewhere you could control it. If, the, if if that place is your survey then absolutely let me tell you that, they've that expressed gets themselves out. they've let off steam and that get and that allows you to to sort of uh, sort of dampen the impact of that and one of the one of the features actually in response suite just to sort of give you a heads up so you can see how this fits into us is we can with response suite you can really easily with like literally no tech know how at all because rob and i are not technical <laughs> is you can take people to a different thank you page when they when they hit submit on your survey depending on how they rate you or depending on the answer to any question. So if they you just using the response suite app, if they said seven or less, you can just take them to a page that says, Oh, I'm really, really sorry. Someone's going to follow up with you. Whereas if they said eight, nine or 10, you can take them to a page which says, thank you so much. Go off. You go tell TripAdvisor all about it. And you can do that automatically on autopilot. Cause as Rob said, the setup should be one hour of one time setup. And it's now in your system. It's systemized we're not about making more work for you we're about making everything work for you but smarter on autopilot so nobody drops through the cracks it's not about laziness it's about having a more proficient and a much better experience for your customers there's um there's a restaurant that was working that's just signed up to work with us and they are they were using a different survey platform to ours and what happened what i said so what, what's the process then and they said well customer gets sent the survey they fill in the survey and then what happens is the manager will go through every individual response yeah. every individual response and follow up appropriately so they'll write an email saying that was really good and send and oh so i'm sorry that didn't work so well give me a call send and so <laughs> what we've done for them is to massive and they said it, it's it's huge for their growth and all we've done is streamline that entire process that, that manager now has more time to engage his staff which in turn delivers a better experience for the clientele i'm all over that idea did you mention or did i miss it that there's some sort of a bridge between the survey and the online trip advisor sort of review yeah. So if somebody fills out the survey and they say you were great, as soon as they hit submit, it takes them to a page where you say, great, thank you so much. Tell you what, while you're here, please go and leave us a review on TripAdvisor. It really and here's helps. a button and it links straight through to your TripAdvisor. So they just click the button and That's that goes straight powerful. to TripAdvisor. Because, you know, we've been talking with guests a lot about, you know, the customer. Well, you guys, you mentioned it earlier about your bad experience in that restaurant and you right. just left. They took it off the bill. You're basically anonymous to that restaurant. And this yeah. happens often. And you want to encourage the customer to speak their mind when they're on the premises and make it right for them on the spot, as opposed to all the people you're going to tell about the bad experience and all the you know ramifications of that. But wouldn't it, I mean, here is just one more opportunity to then get that review, capture it on the spot, and just continue your marketing. Marketing, you know? So what's really interesting about what you just said there is it's great to try and deal with that in the room, 
But what happens, again, looking at our psychology understanding, is you, how many times have you left an argument, a confrontation, or a difficult situation? You've had the difficult situation, you walk out, you get to the car and go, damn it, I wish I also said this. And what about this? And what do you think of this? And, and what about that? Oh. You've got nowhere to post that now. Now you've got these afterthoughts. Yeah. Until, and, and that place could be TripAdvisor, and that's damaging. So that's why I want to capture mm. it with a survey and give them a platform to express that. Let off steam. But want to do that in a way that's manageable to you and yeah. not damaging. I think there's a lot of people would say, a lot of people say that there's the old quote that says, there are no problems, there's only opportunities to find a solution. And we think that problem customers, difficult customers or, or complaining customers are actually just an opportunity to create a new brand advocate later. And so when somebody comes to the restaurant, here's a, a way of flipping it on its head. If somebody comes up to you and says, this was terrible, please take it off the bill or please wipe out the bill entirely. And you do that and they say, and you give them the thing back, this is okay, great, you won't be charged for that, that's fine, thank you very much. At that point, most waiting staff would just go, okay, we'll just bury that now and that's all good. Actually, what that wait staff should do or the manager should do when he comes over is actually say, please, like this doesn't normally happen. We need to try and make sure it never happens. Could you just go and fill out this quick survey? Give us a full account of what happened. We'd love to be able to take care of this for you because that, that is good. Otherwise that, that customer leaves feeling like, well, everything was uh, this sort of, it was rubbish, but bill. at least it was free. Like it was, yeah, it was rubbish, but it was free, which is never a good thing to say. But now they're, they're filling out the survey. They're going back into the system. They feel like they're, they're, the restaurant was just honest enough to hold its hand up and say, please, just being like, taken we, we care of. Really and been... that gives you that opportunity to start that email process of creating that new brand advocate by making, them, making their experience amazing. Fantastic. We've covered a lot of ground here today. Have we missed anything? No, I think the only thing we haven't talked about is the color of my socks. I feel like we have <laughs> talked about everything. <laughs> you this have been colorful really fun, socks actually, on, yeah. Kennedy? <laughs> I have a green one and a red one. Oh, wear red ones. I always wear old socks since I was like 14, I think. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I'm going to include a link to Response Suite in the show notes. Um, this has been fantastic. I learned a lot. Our audience learned a lot. I think this is super powerful. And it's something that our audience definitely needs to pay super attention to. I mean, you need a list. You need to communicate with your customers. You need to find ways of building that business and getting those customers to recommend you, just like you said. So, yeah, I mean, this is super powerful. Marketing. What we did for, for your listeners is we put together a special package if they want to even just check out Response Suite. It's not even if you buy it. Like, this is literally for checking it out. Let's because talk about we want to that. make sure we, we, give, uh, we, we give before we even try to receive. So, yeah, what, what so, have we done? So, here's how it works. When you sign up to Response Suite, you get the first two weeks for free. So, you sign up and your first two weeks are free. That gives you loads of time to actually get the whole thing set up. You can get the whole thing embedded in your business within an hour, bear in mind. So, you've got 14 days to just get the results as well. So, you'll start seeing results within those free two weeks. And the cool thing about this is that it Within that two weeks, for listeners of the podcast, you can get on a call with either myself or Kennedy or somebody on your team can get on a call with myself or Kennedy, not a member of our team. We're actually going to do it ourselves as the founders of the Personally, company, yeah. and we will help you implement everything we just talked about. So we'll help you decide what questions to write. And this is all before you've paid us anything. We'll help you to decide what questions to write. We'll, we'll write the copy for the emails. Yeah. We'll help you plug it into your, your email marketing platform, whatever that is. If you don't have one right now and you're not really doing this, we can recommend the ones that we find are best. Uh, we'll get all that that stuff um, hooked up for you. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the 14 days, if you, if you like it, you hang around, you keep going uh, and you become a customer at that point. So um, yeah, you can do all of that by heading over to the link, which will be in the show notes uh, as well. Wow, audience. Did you hear that? Like what an offer. That's tremendous. <laughs> and of course, we'll hope you love it and you'll stick around and you will become a customer of ours and we can serve you good too. Excellent. Well, it's been a wonderful time to get all about well you guys the email marketing superheroes you said it all i really enjoyed this conversation 
So thanks again. That was the Restaurant Rockstars podcast, and we will see you next time. Thanks, Roger. Thank you, guys. Fantastic. Very cool. Well, that was a ton of fun, wasn't it? What an amazing episode, all about the power of email marketing and how you can create a truly compelling and attention-grabbing email marketing campaign. And don't forget, Robin Kennedy made you a super sweet offer. You have a chance only through this podcast to work one-on-one with them to get your own email marketing campaign off the ground, rocking and rolling, up and flying and two weeks of their service for free just to try it out. I'm going to put the link in my show notes so you can go directly to Robin Kennedy to get your campaign off the ground. This is one way that you can build that all-powerful affinity with your customers. I'm a huge believer in this, so don't miss the link in the show notes. If you like what you're hearing, please give us a review on iTunes and subscribe for free. And this is how other owners and managers can find us and you can help out the industry because we're really trying to elevate other restaurant operators and help them run more stronger, more powerful, more profitable businesses. And we'll see you again in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. For lots of great resources, head over to restaurantrockstars.com. And while you're there, download a copy of the book, Rock Your Restaurant. It's a game changer. See you next time.